Okay, try that again. So, brown cow, now how? What? How now, brown cow. How now, brown cow. How now, brown cow. Okay. Red leather, yellow leather, red. Oh, red, red leather, leather, yellow leather, red. These are good practice tools that I should be using. Yeah. Red leather, yellow leather, red. What's up, everyone? Grace and peace to you. My name is Matthew Hernandez, and welcome to Reconciled Discussions, a podcast that glorifies God through the lives and stories of believers. Reconciled Discussions aims to give a platform for people in the Christian community to share their insight, expertise, testimony, or passions in a way that glorifies God and extends His kingdom. The door is open. The invitation is sent. I invite you to be a part of the show. If you have a unique topic, area of expertise, a working ministry, or specialized interest that you want to share with us, let us know. Shoot an email to reconcilediscussions at gmail.com. That's reconcilediscussions at gmail.com. We want to hear what God has set on your heart to share with the rest of the world. We have a very insightful show today with our guest, Robert Rivera. Robert is a registered medical technician at Wild Cornell Medical Center in Manhattan, and he is the leader of the hospitality team at New Life Outreach International in the Bronx, New York. Today, he will be sharing personal stories, expert insight, and encouraging truth as it relates to today's topic, serving in the healthcare field. Hope you enjoy. Robert Rivera, thank you so much for coming on today's show. How are you doing today? Doing great. Awesome. Really we excited actually- to be here. I'm excited to have you on. I was thinking of different topics, and what came to mind was the health field. And of course, uh, thinking about the health field, you came to mind quickly thereafter. So um, for all our listeners that are, are, are tuning in, uh, why don't you tell them a little, bit, a little bit about what you do in the health field? So I'm a registered medical technician okay. uh, at Wild Cornell Medicine. And I've been there about six years. I've been in the field of uh, wound care for the last 17 years. Ooh. And uh, I really am at a place where I'm designed to facilitate for patients and to get patients wounds who may not have been able to be healed for three, six years at a time, gotten them better. All right. That's awesome, man. I mean, that sounds like a lot of responsibility. Um, for those listeners that don't know, I myself work in the health field. I'm a physical therapist at Mount Sinai. And Rob just mentioned he works a lot. He's he's works in wound care, and that's one of the trickiest, most difficult areas to work in, and, and it's really challenging. So we'll get more into that in the specifics in a little bit. Um, but just generally speaking, so you work in a hospital, you see patients, they come in from home or they're there? Come in from home, they're from home. maybe inpatient. Oh, okay, so you do both. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Actually, I didn't even know that. That's great, man. Okay. So you get both patients that are in the hospital, those that come from home, and you work in the uh, Cornell, which is a fantastic hospital. I have uh, did a quick uh, rotation there myself, and it was it was fantastic, one of the best hospitals I've been to. Um so you, you work in wound care, and how, how did you get involved uh, being a medical technician and especially even a wound care specialist? How, how did that come about? So for me, um, I've always been a history major, and you're probably wondering to yourself right now, well, that's not even the question, but... I am, Rob, and I'm very <laughs> disappointed right now. I'm just kidding. So what ends up happening is um, 
uh, my senior year of high school, and my grandfather had gotten really, really sick. Mm. Uh, he actually uh, had started to develop uh, early on-stage dementia. Mm. And uh, we basically had to put him into uh, an old folks home, sort of. Yeah. And because he was a veteran, he went into the veterans hospital uh, and rehab facility. And what ends up happening is, is that he be- had become contracted and uh, they had never turned him. Mm. And the day that I went to visit him with my mother, uh, she says, you know, lift up your grandfather because he can't move. And when I proceeded to lift him up, he had had a bed sore on his hip that had actually gone all the way straight to the marrow of his hip. Uh, He later that day was rushed to the uh, hospital section of it uh, for immediate and emergent surgery where he had developed sepsis and actually had passed away. Mm. So at that point, my mom says, you know, I wish, I really, really wish we could have done something. And the only male in the family was myself. Mm Mm-hmm. And all eyes were on me, so I had to say to myself, you know, your aspirations of, of being a history teacher had to change. Mm. And uh, I got into wound care and into the medical field, and I would have never changed a bit. Wow. That's a really profound story. I actually, I didn't know that about you. I didn't know that that's, it was such, it was so close to home, The you know, the concept of helping those with wounds or, or those that really most likely you know are bedridden or or rarely get out of bed and you know that's close to home to me for me as well because that's what I do on a daily basis as a physical therapist I work in the hospital and one of the main things we really are are asked to do most of the time is to get patients up and moving and so to prevent kind of cases like you're what you're talking about mm-hmm. um and I guess I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the motivation too I get hearing stories like that just motivates me further um to make sure I'm doing my part uh, because, you know, sometimes you could look at a maybe a 250-pound guy and you're like, man, I really don't want to get this guy out of bed. That's yeah, the, the flesh side of me that's talking. But when you think about the depth and the importance that it, that this movement or, or transfer can have on this patient's life, it's like literally can be life or death. And it just takes that understanding to get motivated to, to basically do your job, you know. So thank you for sharing that, man. That's, that's a very um, intimate story for sure. Um, so I guess you had no intention of getting into the health field. It was kind of all history. Not at all. Until that moment switched. I actually wanted to be a black history teacher. Bomba. That's like a, that's like a separate podcast. Oh, yeah. That's, well, this will be another. We'll have another episode with Rob discussing uh, his intentions or his interest in black history. That's awesome, man. Uh, but not today, maybe another day. Uh, so you, you spoke a little bit about how you got into the health field. You just told us and, and, you know, the circumstances that were about, uh, that were around you, but I, I want to go a little deeper, dig a little bit further. And, and well, how do you, how do you know God called you to be in the health field? Or do you find that that situation just goes right with God's divine plan for you? I think it goes with uh, God's divine plan. Uh, incidentally, I, I grew up an atheist, mm. um, never really believing in God. And when I say never really, because I went to Catholic school for about three to four years mm-hmm. and uh, immediately was, was taken out because of a situation mm-hmm. and went into the public school system. And 
you know, as a child growing up, never went to church unless it was for, as they call the the holy high holidays. <laughs> and uh, that's Christ basically Easter, <laughs> as they call it, yeah. Christmas and Easter. And uh, really, really never went to church uh, for no apparent other reason uh, other than when I was going to school. Right. Um, and then growing up and living a life that was not becoming of someone who went to church. Right. Uh, and as time went on, you know, I, I, it was after 9-11, a year after that uh, New Life Outreach International in the Bronx had a uh, commemorative service for those who had passed away in 9-11. Mm. And uh, I was brought to, to the service uh, practically kicking and screaming, yeah. Um, and they did an altar call, and there was a uh, there was a call for a um, a retreat hmm. to happen soon after. And um, I had gone there, but my intention was to truly uh, protest and say, you know, God doesn't exist, mm-hmm. and that was my main motivation and my main focus to go there. So, if it was a divine plan that was set up by God, I wasn't. I wasn't aware of it. Right, right. Uh, but long story short, uh, I would not be in the places that I've gotten into right. had it not been for his divine hand. Wow. And I guess it was happening all at the same time, like your grandfather passing, having that experience, and then maybe around that same time you went on the retreat, around that same kind of time frame. And- so it was, it was maybe like, because um, 9-11 happened uh 2001. Yeah. Uh, when this happened with my grandfather, this was 94. Oh, okay. So there was some time in there. Mm-hmm. There was some time for me to to not really learn about who I was, but to literally spiral out of, out of sorts. Mm. So again, it goes back to was God's divine hand and plan mm-hmm. had already been set up. Yes, I do believe so, because had it not been, mm-hmm. and had he not chosen me to do what I'm doing today, Probably probably would not be on this podcast. You'd probably be hearing about something I did uh, to hurt someone or or, right. or the, the loss of my life. You'd be on the uh, 11 o'clock news, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great, man. I'm glad that we're here today then in that case. Um, so a lot goes into working in the health field. A lot goes into working in a hospital. Uh, and I, I kind of, you know brought up a couple of topics that I thought were going to be important. And the biggest one that kept just revealing itself to me over and over was the concept of serving. Um, I just, you know, there's so many opportunities to serve in the hospital. There's so many opportunities to serve patients. Like, How does the idea of serving play out in your profession, specifically in your role? I mean, for me, uh, when, when you kind of look at the, the whole concept of serving in, in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. It really mm. was to, to just facilitate and then get out of the way. Uh, we look at, at the cupbearers, and their, their, main, the, their main focus was basically just to hold a cup. Right. You say to yourself, well, you know, what's the importance of holding a cup? There's a great importance. I mean, you're holding the cup to a king mm. or to a prince, and uh, if, that, if that, uh, that official gets sick or if that official is... is is not um, hydrated properly as a result of that cup you're holding, you could actually lose your life. Mm. Uh, so in the same token of working in a hospital and serving, it's, it's people are coming to a place which is to get better. 
Right. Uh, no one really goes to a hospital just because they like the food. <laughs> and what ends up happening is, is that for me, I, I always make that apparent to the patient or to the person coming in is, is that my main focus is to have you leave with a different perspective. Wow. You didn't come here to, to feel worse. Right. You came here to feel better. Yeah. And, and that's, that's my expectation and that's my prowess when having a patient in front of me wow. or even just talking to one in the hallway. Right, right. Isn't that funny though, right? Like how, how endless the opportunities are. Like you may, be, you may have two patients like in two waiting rooms and you're like thinking about those two, but little do you know there's that third patient that's, or even mm-hmm. a family member or something that's coming through the hallway that grabs your attention. And those moments you always have to be uh, ready and, and kind of like looking for those opportunities. Um, you know, you mentioned the Old Testament and um, I always think of, a little, I think of Old Testament. I also, like you said, think of New Testament uh, scripture as it deals with serving. Um, and it makes me think of uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 35. Uh, and it says, and it reads, And he sat down and called the twelve and said to them, If anybody would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. I, um, like those words, like if I were to repeat that every day, I know like my focus and in my, in my, my basically my motivation of what I'm doing at at my work uh, would be so much better um, because it, I I don't know if you experience this and I'm sure you actually I know you do is kind of like the ego aspect of it mm-hmm. like you're a wound care specialist you know mm-hmm. I'm a physical therapist and right. you know nobody's gonna tell me or no family member you know and that that flesh part of me kind of creeps up every now and again but when I read something like Mark nine thirty five that's Telling me if I want to be first, then I must be last and be a servant to all. I mean, how does that resonate with you? I mean, how do you see that fitting into your day to day? I mean, I, I, I see it fitting in day to day because even when I'm walking the halls, you know, it, it, it's funny that when you walk in Christ, there there's a there is a difference in how you look to others. People look at you differently. Mm-hmm. So when I walk on my floor, when I'm when I'm in the hospital. People who may not even know me will just gravitate to me. Mm-hmm. And even I've had to tell people, oh, well, I don't work in this department, but I can help you. Right. Um, and they say, well, you know, I appreciate that because there are people who work in this department and no one wants to help me. Yeah. Uh, so, and that's really putting those people before even the patients that I have scheduled for me. Mm. Uh, and that's the beautiful thing about serving and the even the better thing about serving in the health field. It sounds like you're kind of talking about your light, kind of like the light in you that, that God has placed on you. And, um, you know, the Bible talks about let your light shine before others, you know, so that they could see what good works you've done and give, giving glory to God. So when they come to you and, and they see your light and they're pretty much drawn to it like moth, you know, like they're mm-hmm. drawn, they're drawn to the light. Um, at that moment, they're coming in, they, 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 they're kind of drawn to you, they're seeking help from you, like, how do you take advantage, or, or how do you, and I don't, maybe saying taking advantage it sounds bad, but how do you make the most of those moments when these people are coming to you? So I, I, I tend to seize that opportunity uh, mm-hmm. by going and just really addressing what their needs are. Right. Um, and it could be from something as simple as, Hey, I'm thirsty, yeah. and I just give them some water, um, or oh, I'm cold, and 
you know, give them a blanket or a sheet or a hot pack or, or maybe they just, they needed someone to just check on them. Right. Um, and these are little things that, that just happen just spontaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you get those patients who are there directly for you. Right, right, um, right. And it's, it's in those patients that are, have been already chosen. And I look at it that way. They have been handpicked. Mm. And I tell patients that you have been handpicked to be here today. You have an appointed time. You could have been anywhere else. You could have been at any other hospital. You, you could have stayed at home, but you're here today, and there's something great that's going to happen. Wow. That's, I, I love how that just fits in. Like, it's motivating to the person as well. Like, you know, God brought you here, and um, God brought you really to, to, to you, Rob, and, and, the, and that just gives you a moment just to love on them to talk to them. And, and you mentioned a lot about just meeting their needs, whatever they may be. And this is my, my silly moment of the, of the week when I was kind of doing the research for the show and putting together some of the outlines and stuff. I kept, you know, saying, oh, you work in a hospital, hospital. And it's like hospital, hospital. And I kept saying the word over and over. And I was like, hmm. wait, hospitable. Like, how silly. I never thought, like, you work in a hospital because the whole the whole building is meant to be a hospitable place for the sick. And oftentimes, uh, some, some of my colleagues, uh, you often hear uh, when people ask for maybe some ice water or extra pair of socks or a mm-hmm. little bit of lotion, it's, it's, I often hear, what is this, a hotel? And I've always right. thought, yeah, you know, I don't know, maybe it's not a hotel, it's a hospital, right? But right. The, the, the answer is, yes, it is a hotel. It's a hotel for the sick. <laughs> right. And you're there to be hospitable. Uh, and I actually kind of came up, looked up the word, uh, the origin of the word hospital, and it comes from the Latin word uh, hospice or something along that nature. Um, and it's signifying uh, a stranger or foreigner, hence a guest. Uh, also, it can be derived uh, as, as, as said as uh, hospitum. And it came to signify hospitality that is in relation between guest and shelter. Hospitality, friendly, friendliness, and a and hospitable reception. So, you know, I'm not sure everybody, all, all the employees in the hospital, and a lot of them do. I give a lot of credit to a lot of people. Uh, I shout out my hospital, Mount Sinai St. Luke's. They're awesome. Like, so many people are so awesome, and they just go above and beyond. So I'm not here to paint the picture like majority of people don't. But it is a challenge. I think it's a constant challenge, uh, especially when you have another job to do, which is provide really good medical service, which really, you know, that's that's your job. You know, that's really, and then everything else is just how do you execute it. Um, but so let me transition a little bit. So obviously you work with sick people. You work with people that have some type of ailment, Um what what inspires you to work with sick people? Like, what is the inspiration behind you working with those who are who are ill? It's it's funny that you say that because with the attendings that I work for, they literally look at me and when we're with patients and they say, "This guy, this is all he loves to do. <laughs> he literally loves to get people better." Wow! And that's really my motivation is just to get you better. It may take a little longer than. They may have told you, right? Or it may take a little longer than you've you've been doing this because maybe you were going to a different facility and you know they sold you a pipe dream and said you'll be better in six weeks and it's right. actually been six months. 
Um, and I always address that also. I said, look, you know, the clock starts today, not from before. Right. And everything that we do and everything that we say will be different than what you've heard before. Wow. It, when I think about just the motivation to work with the sick and just thinking about w- what makes us want to help, you know, it, I, it's, there's so many stories in the Bible, and I think some of the most prominent stories are those of leprosy and uh, those that had that disease. Um, and I was reading, and I came across uh, Mark 1, verse 40 through 42, and it says, uh, And a leper came to him, being Jesus Christ, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. I want to point out one thing Jesus felt, and he felt a lot of things, but one thing that stood out to me is that he was moved with pity. I mean, that that can almost sound, if you said that to somebody today, like, you know, I have pity on the sick. It almost sounds insulting, but why is it not? Why is that? And I don't mean to throw this question on your lap, but why? Why? What moves us to pity, and and how? Why is that a special place where we can help? I think for me, it's like it's it's bringing you to the lowest that you can feel for someone, and when you do so, it it allows you. It's almost like a pouring out. Mm. Uh, I heard someone talking about how he was poured out today, yeah, and it allowed it allowed God to to fill him up. Mm. Um, and it's in the same way. I think, as you said before, you know, people, they walk around with a puffed up chest and, mm-hmm. you know, they have a patient who hasn't gotten better and they think that they're going to do it on their own laurels. And right. it's, it's not really the case. It really has to be, they've got to go to the, to the brink, to the very end for themselves, the provider, mm-hmm. so that this way they can say, well, now I have a plan to get you better. Mm. That's so good, man. That's such a good reminder, and I like that. It brings you to your lowest, so you can really like pour out for them. And that's, I think that's when, when I think about those like memorable moments in a hospital room with a patient. That's that's what was going on through my heart, and I imagine it was a lot like what Jesus was feeling was just that you were moved with pity. It wasn't like you had pity and there therefore you were depressed or you felt so sad for the person and life went on. No, you were moved. He was moved with pity. So this this empathy then drived, you know, Christ to heal and for us, you know, to pray for them or to speak hope into their life or to to go above and beyond with our service and it's just like a really profound uh feeling to have. Um it's it's really important. Uh so I was I was coming across a few things, and uh, I, I was—I just had the general question to ask: Is what Bible scriptures do you kind of hold on to that encourage you to work in the hospital field? And earlier today, you were telling me you're like, "Man, I got like—I have a lot, but there's there's one, there's one special one for me that really gets my my mind on the right things." And well, why don't you share about uh, share a little bit about that? Yeah, that scripture is uh, Matthew 8, 5 through 13, and it's the story of the centurion Mm. and their faith. Um, I've had many a patient of different religion and even no religion, uh, and I've given them that story. And uh, it comes at a time where you you had someone who oppositionally was against Christ because of who Christ was. was. He was stirring the hearts, and he was also stirring the people's 
behaviors, not just their hearts. And a person who was supposed to be one who protects, like a centurion, was put in a kind of in a bad position because it's like here there's this guy who you've hear you've heard is healing people, um, and the in the story the centurion had a a person who was his worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some translations, it says his slave, mm-hmm. and uh, the centurion comes up to Jesus and he basically says, "Look, you know," and I, I'm I'm gonna kind of just put it in my own words, and which is what I do for the patients because. They're not Bible scholars, and I'm basically telling them, look, you know, my servant is sick, and I've heard that you can heal. Uh, can you heal him? And, you know, Jesus was moved, and, you know, at, at any point in time, Jesus would have wanted to just go, and, and Jesus wanted to do that. And the centurion said, no, 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 but just, just heal him basically from where you are. And it was that faith that when you have a patient who is at their brink where they're at their last, they're at, they're at the end of the cliff. Um, they've, they've done everything that they think that they are able to do. And it's just that faith that they're able to step out, um, that changes lives. Mm -hmm. And that's what I do. I just facilitate so that the Lord can change lives and I can just be an instrument. Can you, Give us a story or a, a, a case of a patient or a specific scenario. Obviously, staying within HIPAA parameters, you know, you don't want to violate patient rights here. But, yeah, can you give us a story, uh, an experience that you had that is like, oh, yeah, top 10? Oh, I mean, I, I, I have stories for days doing this for so many years. Um, but I have this one story where um, even to this moment, if I were to call this person up, um, Anything I needed. So we had this uh, this Hasidic uh, Jew, mm. and he had gone to a podiatrist, and he was a type two diabetic, and he had a really bad blister on his heel, and uh, he was put in an offloading shoe, and he claims that he had only worn the shoe for two days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had gone away on vacation, uh, but I kept for for what I do for my patients is if if they're extreme patients, I will actually give them my number. Um, which is something that is not commonly done. Right. Um, and I, I tell them as I tell those that I, that I mentor and I minister to, you have me up until midnight, <laughs> Monday through Saturday. <laughs> and uh, Sunday I'm in service. I'm if acquainted with that rule. If it's, if it's really important, then you can text me then. So I was, uh, I was actually in Costa Rica, and I get an image of this gentleman's heel. And he basically had a wound that went all the way down to his heel bone, his calcaneus. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, okay, you got to go to the emergency room right now. I'll let the doctor know. And um, he was given the option of a below-the-knee amputation because it was thought that because of his diabetes and his poor blood supply that he would not heal this wound. Hmm. And um, the doctor gave me, he actually had given me uh, the two choices. And he said the other choice would be very extreme and it would be very arduous to the patient. I said, well, I'm a person of faith. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to bank on. Right. And he goes, I know you're a person of faith. You've told me this at length many a time. And whatever you want to do, we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and for anyone having you know, a, a trained person who has gone to school for 10 plus years, put, their, put all of their eggs in your basket of faith speaks volumes. Right. Um, and I'm glad to say that this gentleman did not lose his foot. Wow. He did not lose his leg. 
And every moment that he sees me, he 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 praises my name. And I say, don't praise my name. We 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 pray to the same God. Right, right. Um, and he calls me brother, and he lets me speak and speak into the lives of his children. Wow. And that speaks volumes mm-hmm. because this is not something that any trained medical person or regular person off the street would allow yeah. to happen. Wow. I mean, that's just like God just transcended like religious barriers or even medical standards. It's like God Amen. just... God just change the whole script on on everyone involved and all for his glory amen Amen. that's really fantastic um so we're kind of coming into a a close here it's actually we're pretty good on time man i'm happy that was was smooth sailing i'm happy about that um so obviously you and i work in the health field and maybe some of our listeners uh do as well but obviously a lot of the people who are going to hear this podcast don't work in the health field um, and what we talked about, about hope and um, uh, serving others, being hospitable, um, shining your light, like everyone in the, you know, every believer, every, every person has that opportunity to do these things. Um, so what, what would you tell just anyone, whether they're in the health field or not, like what can they do to, to provide these this type of service just on a on a regular basis it's funny because when i i train students or i train residents uh i train nurses uh, i even train people that i work with uh what i tell them is one to never lose your humility and to for two for your heart to be people Mm. people literally just people people and it's in that (laughs) that you know, you don't lose the perspective of why you're truly there. You're not here for a check. Mm. You're not here for benefits. You're not here for, you know, college reimbursement. You're not here for that. Mm. That's not why you are here. And when you realize why you are here, you affect change. And it's in that change that people get better. Wow. Thank you so much, Rob. I'm so grateful you came on this podcast and I had a blast. Thank you so much for all your stories, your insight, and the information. Thank you for just having me here. I want a blessed to be a blessing. Awesome. Thanks to all the listeners. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, this is episode three, and keep your eyes peeled for episode four. Take care, and God bless. Thank you. <laughs>